0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Shretz Takes. I'm joined here today by former Columbia and Amherst baseball player Jack Harlan, also a teammate of mine this past year in the basketball team at Amherst College. Great kid, uh, great teammate, and a good baseball basketball insider. So, Jack, welcome back to the show, man.
1: Thanks for having me on again, Shretz. Always a pleasure. Always a
0: pleasure. So, it's kind of a crazy thing about the MLB. You know, the Marlins just are having a real big issue containing COVID on their team. You know, Derek Jeter came out recently and said how he blames the players for it, saying how they, quote, let their, letting their guard down. I just want to ask you what you think of this whole situation and if it's going to, you know, transpire to other MLB teams causing there to not be a season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely problematic if you look at – um you know, how it kind of took off through the Marlins clubhouse, and now we're seeing the same thing with the Cardinals. They just had their four game series postponed this week. Um, you know, and it's already such a short season to, you know, postpone these games and push them back. Doesn't seem like a great solution. And, you know, the Marlins are supposed to start back up today, but who's to say that that'll even happen? Um, you know, I mean, what was it, 21 cases on the Marlins last week and 29 total in the MLB. Um, you know, and I think Bud Seliger, I'm um, sorry, Manfred, Man, Rob Manfred's the uh, commissioner now. But Manfred has, you know, good reason to be concerned. And, you know, I think, you know, if another two teams, you know, we've already seen it spread to the Cardinals. If we see, you know, two more teams, you know, have a big outbreak with COVID, you know, I mean, I think it'll be hard to carry on with the season as planned. And, you know, I think the MLB has gone to great lengths to, you know, try and figure out a way to make the season happen and um, do it in a safe way. Um, But I think COVID cases in a system where there is no bubble, like the NBA is, you know, it's inevitable. Um, with how this virus is spreading. Um, You know, and I think it's also hard to, you know, I mean, I think a lot of the Marlins players got it reportedly by going out to a club. Um, You know, and the rumors right now are that a lot of Cardinals players went out to a casino after one of the games. Um, You know, and it's hard to tell MLB players what to do when this is how they're, you know, accustomed to being throughout most of their careers. I mean, You know, it's like pretty standard to go out after a game if you're an MLB player and, you know, hit the town, Um, you know, and I think it's it's hard to do that, especially when you have the freedom that, say, players in the NBA don't have right now. Um, And I think, you know, that temptation is going to hit and cases will keep popping up unless we see a major change in policy.
0: Yeah, more to expand that. I actually kind of – a lot of people were kind of saying, well, why did Derek Jeter say this kind of comment? Maybe it looked a little bit arrogant, a little bit insensitive to his team. But knowing Derek Jeter, he's always about kind of like the best for the MLB. I mean, he's just a great model of just, you know, bringing the best to the game. Um, And that's also just interesting, too, in its own right, just the fact that you're not having this in a bubble. So, like, I've advocated on on the show before how I thought, you know, they could have easily put this – whole restart in Southern California because there's a lot of stadiums there with UCLA, with the three MLB teams, with USC, you could have had a bubble format there. So the problem I see now is that the fact it's like the NFL is having the same thing. They're going to try to do this market bubble. And the problem with it is, you know, the travel also, there's a bigger case of COVID, right? So you're going from, let's say you're going from Los Angeles Dodgers are going to play, you know, down in Miami, right? Like, like that's just like you have a bigger chance for COVID, but you keep in the bubble. It's kind of a tough situation. And I'm not blaming the commissioner for this at all. Like he was trying to do what is going to make the league the most money and be able to have the games happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, for me, I personally just – I see an unlikely finish to the season. And I hate to say that for baseball fans, but it's just – if you already have two teams with this, this problem, what's to say that other players are not going to say, oh, I'm going to go out to clubs too? Because you even see the NBA, you know, Lou Williams went out to a nightclub to, you know, like it's, it's just hard as an athlete, as a professional athlete, you're used to a certain lifestyle that people just don't understand that, like, that's what you're used to, right? And that kind of stuff. But transition to another thing Joe Kelly got suspended eight games. Pretty, I, I think it was a pretty hilarious situation that he got suspended eight games. To be yeah. honest, I watched the situation, I found it, found it pretty funny. And I want to get your reaction to if you think that was too harsh of a suspension. And, yeah, because, like, a lot of people are not too f- happy about the eight games at all. Yeah, I think it is
1: a little harsh by the league. I get why it's eight games, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But to think that, you know, he only got six games in 2018 for, you know, beaming uh, that Yankees player and starting a literal brawl. Um, whereas this was more just kind of a bench-clearing altercation, no no fighting. Um, and... I mean, eight games is in a 60-game season, that's 13% of the season. That's a hefty suspension. I mean, 162-game season, I think 13% would be like 20-something games. You don't see suspensions like that for... Maybe 22. Yeah, 22 games. I mean, yeah, you don't see suspensions like that for anything besides PED use and the MLB. Um, you know, and to think... That, that, I mean, that's pretty hefty, especially for a guy that's as important to a team as Joe Kelly can be. Um, but I get it at the same time. You know, I think what the MLB is really trying to avoid is, especially with what happened with the Marlins last week, is having situations where you can see a mass spreading of COVID. Um, and I think a bench-clearing altercation is – a prime way of you know spreading the like that's as risky as I think it can get in the game of baseball for COVID to spread from one team to another team um and I think the MLB really wanted to you know make a make an example of that make an example of Joe Kelly um as the aggressor in that situation um and as the initiator of that altercation um, to say you know we we won't allow this at all this year, like we understand that, yeah, sure, riots or riots and brawls are part of the game of baseball, and they happen, um but we can't allow this to happen in the age of covid in the age of the pandemic, um which is why I think they dropped the hammer a little more on joe Kelly that and you know the history of riots and altercations going back to twenty eighteen
0: um and I think even earlier in that in his career. Yeah, also, I think the I actually think that, again, he should have just been suspended. I I, I probably would have said five games um, just because of his history. I, I think you need to kind of teach him a little bit of a lesson in terms of just how he needs to act mm-hmm. as a pitcher, act as kind of a professional. Because he he's a very good relief pitcher. And he's big to the Dodgers, you know, what the Dodgers can do when he has his head on straight. But a lot of times he doesn't and he gets a little bit caught up in stuff. But the problem also, the reason why I think a lot of players are upset, it's because it's involved with the Astros, and they didn't like the MLB's response to the Astros. Like, you know, I, I mean, you probably know all this stuff, but, you know, like, the, the most steep thing they got was their GM getting, like, sus- like you know, fired, and he, he, he was suspended, but then they fired him, mm-hmm. and then getting a $5 million fine. But the, that was kind of all they saw. They were kind of like, you know, why aren't they banned from, like, you know, this kind of stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is interesting in its own right, because – that's really, I think, where the players are really angry with is because just the fact that the Astros themselves, they feel like, and maybe it's it's unfair to, you know, point this out and maybe, like, it's not true, but they the players feel like the Astros are protected by the league, mm-hmm. in a sense, because the Astros have been good for so many years because of their cheating scandal. And also, they had good players. Like, I'll, I'll say it that They had good players. You know, their team is definitely good enough to win, you know, the World Series. But they, now players are going to say, well, they won because of the cheating scandal. Now the MLB's you know, protecting them. I asked you, I, I wanted your thoughts on that too. Like, do you think that's fair for them to, like, you know, criticize that? And, like, that's why you think they're, like, upset also about this Joe Kelly situation?
1: I mean, I do think it's fair to criticize the Astros. And, you know, I think this was a long time coming, you know, any riot with the Astros, especially for the Los Angeles Dodgers who got kind of shafted from, you know, a World Series ring by the cheating scandal. Um, You know, and it's pretty apparent if you look at the film, if you look at, you know, the data in terms of, you know, what the Astros batting average was at home when they had the camera system in place in the World Series versus what it was away. I mean, I think Clayton Kershaw had an ERA around seven in the World Series back in 2017 when the Astros won and like at the Astros stadium, but at home, I think it was, you know, more normal for him somewhere around two. Um, you know, and I think there's a lot of good reason for the Dodgers to be upset by that, and I think it was you know kind of inevitable that there would be some sort of altercation between especially these two teams um you know, and I think a lot of players were frustrated by how the league handled it and wanted more um action taken against the Astros and the fact that more action wasn't taken. I think the players felt the need to take that into their own hands, and that's been something that players have been outspoken about for a long time. I mean, I think Alex Wood um, went on a pretty lengthy Twitter rant, like around the time that uh, the investigations were happening, um, that if the MLB didn't drop the hammer a little more, that he or someone else would, you know, take matters into their own hands and, um, you know, target Astros players. Um, you know, and I think it's something that the league is always, like, pretty cautioned about um or cautionary about i should say um you know i mean i think it's it's pretty dangerous when you got a guy like joe kelly throwing upper 90s you know at a guy's head um you know i think the mlb's first responsibility is and always will be to protect the players um you know and it's hard to do that when you know you got guys taking matters into their
0: own hands yeah, I think this is the problem, because like, I saw, you know, the YouTube video, I watched ESPN, and there are people, you know, just people, I think, that don't quite understand the situation, saying how, you know, this commissioner is the worst in sports and everything like that, and I'm kind of saying to myself, you can't really go there, because you have to understand what, what they're trying to get done. Yeah, maybe the, the suspension was a little too harsh, but Joe Kelly's had a history of this, and also they don't want players taking matters, into, like you just said, taking matters into their own hands. What the Astros did, no one is saying is was right. It was completely wrong. Everyone gets that. But then you're not looking any better as a professional if you take matters in your own hands and you target Astros players because the Astros cheated and everyone gets that. But they weren't, you know, trying to, you know, throw baseballs at your head, you know, especially because these guys are so good. You know, you're throwing 95 mile power pitches at someone's, like, you know, head. Like the helmet's only going to do so much. And also, like, yeah, I mean, that guy could, you know, there could be a potential worse than a concussion there, right? You know, internal bleeding, you don't know, right? And so, like, I kind of get, again, like, you know, why the the MLB has to be a little bit more stiff. You know, I was listening to Buster only give, like, his, you know, interpretation a little bit of what the Dodgers are thinking. But that the Dodgers are going to obviously be a little bit more biased to saying their players should appeal. And, you know, he, he, I think he has the right to appeal on the situation because I think he should get the suspension reduced a little bit. But like I said before, it should be about five games because – he did throw like two or three, you know, pitches at the guys like near the guy's head. Yeah. And then, you know, he started mocking one of the guys, which that was hilarious. That was very very funny. But it's, you know, like the problem is no one's going to like the Astros, but it's more the fact of, you know, you have to have a sense of professionalism, right? With that, right? Cuz otherwise you're really letting them kind of get to the whole league and the commissioners in a really tough place with this kind of situation just because everyone kind of feels like, you know, you didn't handle it as strictly or as tough as you should have with the Astros. Right. You kind of let them off the hook in a sense. Cause like, they're going to be like, all right, yeah, we got, we got money. So we'll, we'll pay that $5 million fine. No problem. Right. And then they, they might go back to doing, uh, we don't know what they're going to do in the future. Right. We we don't know. Right. I and mean, know, hopefully they don't, they don't get to the world series where they're tampering with someone again. Um, but I think also shifting to another thing too, now with baseball, now to get off those topics, just kind of just the regular teams generally. Mm-hmm. As we can see, the Dodgers and the Yankees look really, really good right now. Absolutely. But I also was kind of interested, you know, there were some crazy madness things that have been happening with the Mets and the Braves, that one inning, uh, the eighth inning where the Braves <laughs> scored uh, 16 runs in an inning. I was yeah. kind of thinking, just like you know, the baseball's been kind of crazy right now. Like, you know, the Yankees and Dodgers are clearly head and shoulders, like doing really well. But kind of, you know, in that middle pack, everyone's very close together record-wise. Um, how, are, how, how do you like it as a baseball fan? I mean, unfortunately, your Red Sox are not doing too great right now. But, um, you know, like, what, like what, how – I guess my question, and I'll break it down, is just how do you like the way that, you know, most of the league is very competitive right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, ratings have been up um for baseball which has been good for the game i mean i think a part of that is the fact that there hasn't been sports in five months and the american people are pretty hungry to at least see some action on tv um but i mean ratings have been up i think 25 percent since around the same time last year which is great for the game right now um but i mean i'm sure those ratings will come back down to earth um yeah, I mean, I think the from a baseball standpoint, it's definitely been it's definitely been interesting. Um, you know, I think it's been pretty competitive generally throughout the league. I think, you know, the Yankees have looked fantastic. Aaron Judge is, you know, he's hitting a home run a game at this point, which is pretty insane um, and fun to watch. Um, you know, and the Dodgers are such a highly talented team. That I mean, I think it's pretty clear cut in a 60-game season. It's hard for those two teams not to be the favorites. Um, But, I mean, I think, you know, middle of the pack-wise, I mean, it's like, you know, Athletics had a, you know, they have a very talented team. They've been, you know, playing a lot of close competitive games. Um, You know, Red Sox haven't been playing well, but, I mean, a lot of their games have still been pretty close and entertaining to watch. Um certainly disappointing as a Red Sox fan. They don't really have much pitching right now. Um, more of a regrowth year, I guess, for the for the team as a whole. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think it's good that the game of baseball's back. I mean, I think it's missing some stars, you know, Verlander's out. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez won't be able to play due to complications um after having COVID. Um, you know, and I think there's a lot of interesting things happening in the league I think. You know, it's hard to predict what will happen in the next 2 weeks with COVID. You know, I could see, you know, the MLB season being cut short as soon as then. Um but I mean, I think purely from a baseball standpoint it's been fun to watch. Um you know, I think it's fun to see a guy like Aaron Judge, you know, come out after a so-so year last year dealing with some injuries, you know, and come out and you know, really smash the ball like he's been, Um, you know, and I think it's a lot different from what I thought it would be. I thought it would be kind of pitchers dominating early. We haven't really seen that. We've seen, you know, a lot of high-powered offensive showings, Um, you know, and I think that's what people want to see when they go to see a baseball game. They don't want to see, you know, 15 – strikeouts are boring. Um, You know, people want to see plays in the field. People want to see home runs, Um, you know, and I think the ratings of – supported that i think you know people are watching the game which is big um but it's definitely it's different too you know no fans in the stadium um you know the red sox have like audio from like mlb the show playing the whole time like mimicking fan noise um but you know it's strange but you know i think it's it's fun in a way you know i think if i were if i were playing in the mlb i'd be having fun with it i think like it's kind of like playing little league all over again. No fans in the crowd, you know, just playing, playing the
0: game to play the game. I think a team that's actually interested me a lot is the Rockies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know, like the Dodgers are. You know, I hate to say it to Red Sox people, but you know, obviously, as you know, losing Mookie Betts was a, was just tough because he he just meant so much to your guys' franchise and just did so much. And he's doing great over it with the Dodgers right now. Um, getting the Rockies second, but you know, you see that one throw that Mookie had where. Do at the Red Sox, but he threw it from, like, all the way to the corner of right field and just nailed yeah. it. Like, that, that's incredible how guys can do that. But getting into the Rockies a little bit, you know, what's interesting to me about them is, like, you know, they have not been really, you know, I guess a playoff contender. They've always been pretty – like, they've always challenged a little bit into in division but not quite got there. But so far they're doing a great job. And I think it's because of the fact they have good hitting, but I think that, you know, they have a pretty good outfield that's athletic that can, you know, at least track down fly balls pretty effectively as well. Um I think that's interesting too. I was like the twins, right? Like the twins, you know, have been playing really well as well. Cause like, you know, Nelson Cruz yesterday just hit a walk off Homer. Um, and it's good to see him being successful again. Um, Cause I know he was pretty successful earlier in his career when he was with the Rangers a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's an interesting thing too. But I guess the last thing within baseball is, you know, I guess with the whole kid home situation, how do you, how do you, um, how do you as a fan, uh, you know, deal with the fact that, you know, the Phillies have only played, like, you know, four games, and, like, the Yankees have played 11 or 10. I think they just already played 10. Yeah. Um, You know, like, how do you – how do you think the MLB can work through that um, and still allow everyone to play 60 games? um, Yeah, I mean, they're going
1: to have to – they're going to have to schedule a lot of doubleheaders, you know, and find ways to, you know, get creative with the schedule at this point. I mean, they would already slotted, you know, 60 games in 62 days, which is – you know, pretty crazy. Not a lot of off days, a lot of, you know, it's it's hard, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to, you know, schedule in these double headers in that span of time. Um, But, you know, I mean, that's pretty much the only option that they have at this point. Maybe that means, you know, scheduling two seven inning games um, for double headers or a nine and a seven, um, you know, and finding ways to cut down innings while, you know, fitting in an actual game for all these teams. But it's tough right now. I mean, the Phillies haven't played in a week. The Marlins haven't played in a week. You know, the Cardinals won't play for another week. Um, You know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams that are kind of behind the cut. And, you know, if the Marlins still have positive tests and won't be able to play, I mean, it could be even longer. And at that point, you know, I think the MLB might have to reevaluate their scheduling and maybe – you know, make it a twenty eight like twenty eight team league instead of a thirty two team league if these teams have to miss two or more weeks, it's going to be hard to catch up in the two month window that the MLB is giving everybody.
0: How do you like the seven uh, inning format that it, to occur? Because personally for me, I, I think it actually might work well for the scheduling because you have I, you know you have you get shorter games and more opportunity for more games to happen. But on the contrary, you know, you're having a shorter game and sometimes a lot of drama happens in that eighth and ninth inning, right? So I don't know as a baseball guy how you like the doubleheader seven inning kind of format that happens.
1: Yeah, I mean in um the Ivy League, my uh freshman year, uh the way they did it was a nine inning game and a seven inning game, and we played two doubleheaders um every weekend. Um, you know, and it totally changes kind of how you approach um you know, the game itself. Um, you know, if you have a good starter out there, you can, you know, hold off from even using your bullpen at all. Um, you know, and I think that plays to an advantage with teams that have really good pitching and really deep pitching staffs um, versus, like, say, the Red Sox that almost have to rely on, you know, three pitchers a game regardless, just because they don't have a lot of depth at that position right now. Um, so, I mean, It's tough because, I mean, it's like, you know, I think especially in the MLB, you're so used to playing nine innings. You're so used to, you know, having that, the way the game is spaced out. I mean, so often players break it into thirds. Um, You don't have that final third to, you know, push through. You don't have that final third to make a comeback. Um, You know, and it definitely throws off your routine a little bit. Um, It does speed up the game, you know, and I think it's – it can be more enjoyable for the fan experience itself, but, um, you know, it's, it's different and it's tough. Um, you know, and it's hard. You really have to get to the starter early. Um, you know, can't let the starting pitcher get in a rhythm in a seven inning game, because if that happens, all of a sudden it's the fifth inning and you're chasing two or three runs and you only have an inning or two left to hit. Um, So, I mean, it's hard. Um, But, I mean, I think it might be necessary for the MLB already seeing some of the, you know, injuries that we've seen already. You know, they might have to look into cutting down innings. I mean, you know, Mike Soroka just tore his Achilles last night. Um, You know, Mookie Betts has been dealing with some injury issues. And, um, you know, throughout the league, I think, you know, guys will, you know, start to deal with more ailments, especially playing so many games in such a short window of time. Um, as well as, you know, spending the last four months in not an ideal training scenario. Um, You know, it's hard to go from being at home, not necessarily having access to a weight room or even to a catcher as a pitcher to, you know, go and have to, you know, throw 100-plus innings as a starting pitcher in two months. It's difficult. Um, Definitely taxing on the body.
0: Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I guess shifting into another thing, you know, Boston Celtics have had – I would say the interesting two games into the bubble. I mean, tonight they play against the Miami Heat. Um, That's a big game for them, obviously, to really show that they're in that top echelon. So I actually had maybe not as much now because I've I've been more convinced by the Raptors' defense recently. But going into the bubble, I actually did have the Celtics coming out of the East. I think whoever wins the Raptors-Celtics series, I think could beat the Bucs. But anyway, I just want to ask you what you've seen from the Celtics so far that gives you confidence and also makes you a little bit concerned about their uh, progress going forward? I
1: think the play of Jalen Brown the last two games makes me feel really good about, you know, the Celtics going forward and going into the playoffs. I mean, he dropped, I think, 30 last night or last time they played when they played um, Portland. Um, You know, and he was a big piece for them in their first game against the Bucs. I mean, obviously it didn't turn out the way um, the Celtics wanted to. And, you know, I think a big part of that is Jay Jason Tatum kind of having a a goose egg of a game. Um, but, I mean, I think, you know, it's hard. It's hard right now to say that the Celtics are a team that can go all the way. Um, you know, I think they're a smaller lineup. You know, I think, you know, Cantor and um, Baines, you know, I think – or not Baines, sorry. Uh, what's his name? Tice. 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 Thank you. Yeah. You know, cancer and Tice, you know, they're good. They're a good combo down low, but you know, I mean, I think it's hard, you know, to compete with, you know, the bucks have a lot of depth at the center position and, you know, I think the Raptors are, you know, doing great things down low. I mean, you know, I think it's going to be hard to stop those two teams um, with the talent. I think it's possible. um, But, you know, I think it's definitely a little concerning as a fan, you know, to, you know see some big men you know score at will i mean um you know the portland trail blazers big man scored 30 on them and was near perfect in the paint um last night and you know i mean two nights ago um you know that's you know it's concerning to watch cuz what happens when that's Giannis or brook lopez or you know like anyone on the Raptors. I mean, the Raptors have so much depth at the center position and power forward position. Um, You know, it's going to be hard to compete there. But, I mean, I think where they lack there, the Celtics definitely make up for it in perimeter defense. You know, and they have a top five defense in the league, um, top five in steals. um, You know, and I think the talent of their guards and I think how far they go, You know, it's really dependent on the play of Tatum and the play of Walker. Um, You know, I think seeing how uh, Gordon Hayward's played throughout the year has been, you know, something to be confident about and something to be optimistic about. You know, he hasn't really put up numbers like this since before his injury. Um, You know, and I mean, he's playing 30-plus minutes a game, too. Um, And, you know, I think he's averaging like 18-7 and right now. Um, you know, we haven't seen that from Gordon Award at all in his time with Boston. Um, you know, he's looking more like Utah Jazz Gordon. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's hard to see the Celtics beating out the Bucs with Giannis. And it's hard to, for me to even see him, you know, beating out the Raptors right now with, you know, how the Raptors have been playing. I mean, I think the Raptors are a better team than, you know, people have generally been giving them credit for. Um, but that's a talented team, and they'll be hard to beat for the Celtics.
0: Yeah, I think the the thing with the Celtics I like is the fact that they have a good – like you said, a good printer defense, but they have a really good guard network. So, like, Jason Tatum, for example, did not do well against the Bucks. right? Shot two of 18, had five points. You know, and I, I get that. You're coming back into the bubble. You're probably to readjust, but he did have 34 points against Portland. Now, Portland is a bottom defensive team. Um, one reason I think that Portland might struggle to the playoffs is not because of their offense, but their just atrocious defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and Boston will really expose them for that because Boston has Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, all guys who can score 18 plus easily, like have no problem doing it. And Brad Stevens is a great coach that he can put those guys in positions to succeed. Even Tice, like Tice does a great job for you guys at an offense because Tice is an athletic, big, who can roll to the rim, but he's also mobile enough where he can catch, shoot, and get to the basket. But he's a smart player, plays hard too. But the problem with your team, and what I, I've noticed more so against the, is against the Bucks, I didn't think this was going to be as big of an issue. But if you, if Tice is guarding Brooke Lopez, then you're gonna put Marcus Smart on Giannis. Now Marcus Smart's an unbelievable. I'll give him credit. He is a great defender, great hustle guy. I mean, you guys, I think every Celtics fan should love Marcus Smart. Um, but the problem with him is he's six four. Giannis is 6'11", and as we see, even with the Rockets, when Giannis plays against the Rockets, Giannis, whenever he has just one guy in front of him, he will just bully his way to the basket and score. He doesn't really shoot a lot of jumpers. He still is a suspect three-point shooter. Where I think the Raptors could have more success is that if you watch the Raptors against the Lakers, they built a wall where LeBron and AD just really couldn't be effective. And where Giannis struggles against teams that build a wall against him, he can do anything he wants against one guy. And if the Celtics, what they can learn from the first game, I think that could help them is a lot of times when Giannis drove to the basket, they didn't help at all. They didn't squeeze in and, you know, make him kick it out to like Wesley Matthews. Wesley Matthews is a good three point shooter, but as a Celtics fan, you prefer to see Wesley Matthews beat you. than see Giannis or Chris Middleton beat you. Right. And you guys have to do a great job on Chris Middleton. So I think for the Celtics, it's more like how they do tonight that is going to, for me, at least, see how they can transcend in the right direction. Because the Raptors just beat the Heat yesterday. And if the Celtics want to prove to me that they're an that one, they got to win tonight. Because they almost beat the Bucs, and they really could have if Tatum came out to play a little bit better. Um, I think the Bucs are more vulnerable than people give them credit for, because I think everyone looks at their defense, you know, number one in the NBA, and Giannis being so dominant. But Chris Milton's very erratic. Um, Brooke Lopez is actually a very good player, but they don't—I don't think they use him effectively unless they play against a small-ball team and they throw him down the post. And Brook Lopez gives you twenty and ten, but I'm like, you know, you don't use him effectively all the time. And then like with Toronto, Toronto has the second best defensive efficiency in the NBA. Celtics, I think, are fifth right now. So you know, you have you know two teams outside of that, that I think can both. Whoever wins that series, I told you, is, I think can beat the Bucks because I think without Giannis, the Bucks are not really that good at all because I think Chris Middleton's so erratic. Um, now I know Chris Middleton's given the Celtics problems in the past in the playoffs, but he is a guy I look at. I'm saying, you know, if he doesn't show up to play, you know, I think Giannis is, and they don't want a championship. Giannis is going to leave. I, I think, because I, I just, I don't see Giannis sticking around playing with Chris Middleton. You know, I think Chris Middleton's a good player, unless they can get another player there that's going to build them up. The Celtics have a group. If they can get Tice to play I mean, or get someone else at least longer like have Tatum and, and Brown more on Giannis and Marcus Smart that's a better defensive strategy for them because Marcus Smart's a guy yeah, I think you can put on a Chris Middleton um because Giannis is just so much bigger and stronger than most of the guys he goes against you don't necessarily want uh Marcus Smart you know he's strong you don't want him like you don't want Marcus Smart on LeBron James right you don't want him on Kawhi like I mean you, like you like you're, you're okay with it at the end of the day but you don't want him in a guy that's going to physically just be stronger than Marcus Smart because they're just going to take him in the post and score. Right. Giannis is just going to, you know, take one dribble to his right hand and, you know, probably travel and then score a layup. Right. And, um, you know, it's the fact that he also scored this is the last point. made the fact that he did score 36 in two straight games. And then one of those against the Celtics should give a little bit of concern, but also the fact is in the playoffs, Brad Stevens will adjust if they play against them. So that also can give you a little bit of hope. Um, but I was actually – I guess like shifting it over a little bit. Um, this is a, a random question that uh, I wanted to bring up. But speaking of small ball, how do you like the Rockets right now? Because they've been pretty impressive in the bubble. Um, I don't know what how you think of them. I don't know if you think they're actually a contender. I think they're they're really good, and they can challenge the Lakers or the Clippers to like a six- or seven-game series for sure. I personally don't see them as a contender because I don't trust Harden at all in the playoffs. I just don't. Um, and I think they're too small, and they're just going to get crushed on the boards. Um, and they're not good enough defensively. But I don't know how you look at them.
1: You know, I look at the Rockets as, you know, an interesting team. You know, I think – I agree with you. I don't think they're necessarily contenders for the finals. I think, you know, the Lakers and the Clippers both kind of have a, a leg up on them. And, honestly, I like the Nuggets even a little more than I like the Rockets out of the West. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, James Harden is a scorer unlike anyone else right now in the league. Um, you know, I mean, he had an off night the other night against the Bucks, and he still dropped, you know, 22, um, you know, and I think with West, with, uh, Russell Westbrook and, um, you know, other members of, you know, other supporting cast members there. I mean, I think, you know, it's a team that has offensive firepower. I mean, they dropped like 158 points the other night, um, in their opening game, you know, and I think that's exciting to see. And, you know, I think they could definitely sneak out, you know, a couple of games from the Lakers or a couple of games from the Clippers or, you know, whoever they face in the playoffs. But, you know, I think it's hard to, you know, rely on them entirely. I mean, you know, they're a team that, you know, kind of notoriously right now lacks a big man. You know, and I think it's hard to, you know, maybe I'm a little biased as a big man myself, but, you know, I think it's kind of hard to, um you know, you know who's going to stop AD on the Lakers you know or who's going to stop Harrell or even Paul George on the Clippers i mean like it's hard to it's hard to say what will happen but i mean yeah right now i like the Lakers and the Clippers um a lot more
0: than i like the Rockets um to be a contender in the west i think also that the fact that Porzingis dropped 39 on the Rockets um, should get them a little bit concerned. I mean, I, Porzingis is a great player. Like, I think he's getting back into his form. Like, he had 30 in his two straight games. But, like, you know, they they lock down defensively when they need to. But I think everyone's a little bit overreacting to the fact that they just beat the Bucs. Um, they're like, oh, wow, this team is, you know, coming back from these huge deficits late in games. Like, you know, they have what it takes. And I'm still saying to myself – Harden and Westbrook have actually done well in the regular season in clutch moments. Actually, if you look at what they did the last couple of years, especially Harden. He's actually done very well in the regular season in clutch moments. He gets to the playoffs though, and because defenses are going to adjust. They're going to figure out a way that that, you know, they're even though it's a small ball, they're going to find a way to prepare for it better because they're gonna be playing the same team every night. When you're doing this eight game system, it's hard to prepare for a small ball team, even like the Celtics, right? Because Celtics are kind of small ball. I mean, Tice is six 6'8, right? So it's a little bit like it's hard to adjust on the fly because you're playing against a game. Let's say you're playing against Utah, who's huge, and then you have to go the next day and play the Rockets, right? But if you're playing the Rockets for seven or six straight games, pretty easy to adjust your – if you have a good coach, it's pretty easy to make those adjustments. Um, also, the fact that Russell Westbrook just really can't shoot threes that well. Um, he, I mean, he's unbelievable going to basket. I mean, no one really can guard him off the dribble. But you just don't put a big on them. You put a big on like Robert Covington or PJ Tucker or Jeff Green. Jeff Green's actually a tough matchup for a lot of bigs because he can get to the basket Um, and Robert Covington a little bit too. But PJ Tucker just stands in the corner and shoots three. So as a big, you just don't help too much. Like Brooke Lopez helped a lot because they had to help him Westbrook. But that's just on your individual defense. You're making sure you can really just try and stay in front of him and force Westbrook to shoot over you. And Harden's just going to take step back threes. But I think that the whole NBA system, the team, the whole bubble is interesting. Um, I guess the last thing I just want to bring up before we, you know, close it out is how do you like the NBA bubble overall? I mean, I, you know, I've been talking a little bit about Celtics and the Rockets with you, but how do you like the bubble overall? Um, and then you just give me your final thoughts before we end it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like the bubble a lot right now. I mean, you know, I think it's definitely not an ideal lifestyle, I think, for a lot of these players. You know, I mean, I heard, um, you know, like, it's it's pretty grueling from you know what I've heard from like a Terrence man um, or people that um, I do know that are currently in the bubble. The one person I currently know that's in the bubble, um, but you know I think it's a hard lifestyle. But you know I think like there's aspects of it that are fun. Um, you know and I think it's good for the game of basketball right now. I think the games have been highly competitive. I think they're doing a good job at you know kind of creating a fan experience with you know the kind of Whatever video cutouts of all the fans on the on the screens around the courts, um, you know I think they're a good job doing a good job in general making it entertaining, um, you know. And I think it's the I think it's the safest way I think to operate any sport right now. I mean, I think you know the NHL is doing a similar thing up in uh, Toronto um, with hockey, you know, and I think that'll work well too, especially as they come closer to the stanley cup playoff and you know i think basketball you know it's it's safe right now i mean there haven't been any outbreaks or positive tests um you know i think as long as it stays that way i think basketball is going to be the most successful of any of the sports that come back um in the united states right now um you know so i think it's great for the game i think the games have been exciting you know i think like, a lot of close games, a lot of competitive games, and, you know, some big offensive, sh- like, out shows. I mean, you know, you got the Clippers scoring 35 threes in a game um, or knocking down 35 threes in a game. You know, you got the Rockets setting the record for the most points in the first half of a regular season basketball game. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of fun to see these, you know, big offensive games, but, you know, I mean – Yeah, I think it's great for the game, and I think it's going well so far. And, you know, I think especially as playoffs come and the regular season closes up, you know, I think it's just going to be – it's going to be fun to watch.
0: Well, Jack, uh, thanks again for being on, man. I really appreciate it. Um, You know, thanks for the – obviously, the expertise um, within just like the baseball realm. I appreciate it, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Shreds.
0: Had a lot of fun.